Good day. It's April 9th. I hope you're feeling blessed as we will be reading about blessings today. Not only are we shown blessings in the scriptures, but we discover how to bestow blessings upon others. This is the One Year Bible Tour with daily readings from the One Year Bible. My name is David McAdam, and I'm thrilled at the opportunity of being a tour guide as we read through the scriptures, gaining life-changing insight as we read from Genesis through Revelation. We are coming towards the end of the book of Deuteronomy, and today we'll be in chapter 33 as Moses blesses the people of Israel before he dies. I don't know about you, but I am so blessed in Christ Jesus, and I do want to learn how I can be a greater blessing to those around me. So there's much for us here today. So let's come with open hearts, ready to hear, ready to obey. Jesus prayed to the Father that we would be sanctified by his word, and his word is truth. So here we go, Deuteronomy chapter 33, beginning with verse 1. This is the blessing with which Moses the man of God blessed the people of Israel before his death. He said, The Lord came from Sinai and dawned from Seir upon us. He shone forth from Mount Paran. He came from the ten thousands of holy ones with flaming fire at his right hand. Yes, he loved his people. All his holy ones were in his hand. So they followed in your steps, receiving direction from you when Moses commanded us a law as a possession for the assembly of Jacob. Thus the Lord became king in Jeshurun, when the heads of the people were gathered, all the tribes of Israel together. Let Reuben live and not die, but let his men be few. And thus he said of Judah, Hear, O Lord, the voice of Judah, and bring him into his people. With your hands contend for him, and be a help against his adversaries. And of Levi he said, Give to Levi your Thummim and your Urim, to your godly one, whom you tested at Massa, with whom you quarreled at the waters of Meribah, who said of his father and mother, I regard them not. He disowned his brothers and ignored his children, for they observed your word and kept your covenant. They shall teach Jacob your rules and Israel your law. They shall put incense before you and whole burnt offerings on your altar. Bless, O Lord, his substance and accept the work of his hands. Crush the loins of his adversaries, of those who hate him, that they rise not again. Of Benjamin he said, The beloved of the Lord dwells in safety. The high ground surrounds him all day long, and dwells between his shoulders. And of Joseph he said, Blessed by the Lord be his land, with the choicest gifts of heaven above, and of the deep that crouches beneath, with the choicest fruits of the sun and the rich yield of the months, with the finest produce of the ancient mountains and the abundance of the everlasting hills, with the best gifts of the earth in its fullness and the favor of him who dwells in the bush. May these rest on the head of Joseph, on the pate of him who is prince among his brothers. A firstborn bull, he has majesty, and his horns are the horns of a wild ox. With them he shall gore the people's all of them, to the ends of the earth. They are the ten thousands of Ephraim, and they are the thousands of Manasseh. Of Zebulun, he said, Rejoice, Zebulun, in your going out, and Issachar in your tents. They shall call peoples to their mountain. There they offer sacrifices, for they draw from the abundance of the seas and the hidden treasures of the sand. And of Gad, he said, Blessed be he who enlarges Gad, 
Gad crouches like a lion. He tears off arm and scalp. He chose the best of the land for himself, for there a commander's portion was reserved, and he came with the heads of the people. With Israel he executed the justice of the Lord and his judgments for Israel. And of Dan he said, Dan is a lion's cub that leaps from Bashan. And of Naphtali he said, O Naphtali, sated with favor and full of blessing of the Lord, possess the lake and the south. And of Asher he said, Most blessed of sons be Asher. Let him be the favorite of his brothers, and let him dip his foot in oil. Your bars shall be iron and bronze, and as your days, so shall your strength be. There is none like God, O Jeshurun, who rides through the heavens to your help, through the skies in his majesty. The eternal God is your dwelling place, and underneath are the everlasting arms. And he thrust out the enemy before you and said, Destroy! So Israel lived in safety. Jacob lived alone in the land of grain and wine, whose heavens drop down dew. Happy are you, O Israel, who is like you, a people saved by the Lord, the shield of your help and the sword of your triumph. Your enemies shall come fawning to you, and you shall tread upon their backs. And this is the end of our reading from the book of Deuteronomy today in the Old Testament. So our reading today should inspire us to pronounce blessings upon our loved ones. How important it is to bless the Lord. It is also important for us to bless others. We should purposefully bless our loved ones. We are even called to bless those who persecute us, to bless our enemies. We should know how to pronounce a blessing on others through our words. Our spoken words can build up or tear down, encourage or deflate. Many sons and daughters long to hear their fathers speak words of blessing, affirmation, and encouragement, like those spoken by Moses in Deuteronomy chapter 33, verses 1-29. through 29. Instead, they get silence or verbal put-downs or pronouncements that discourage. Before Moses dies, he pronounces blessings upon the Israelites, every tribe but Simeon. We're not told specifically why Simeon was omitted. Was it the violent action Simeon and Levi took in avenging the rape of their sister, Dinah, by Shechem, the Hivite, in Genesis 34? Jacob curses both Simeon and Levi for their anger, fierceness, and cruelty. He promises that they will be dispersed in Israel in Genesis 49, verse 7. That actually happens when the tribes enter the promised land. Simeon is allotted places to settle within Judah's portion. The Levites do not have a separate portion of their own. They are dispersed throughout the cities of the promised land as a priesthood, being supported by the tithes of other tribes rather than working the land and living off its produce. Nevertheless, Moses does bless the Levites. After all, Moses was a descendant of Levi. On previous occasions, Moses has set before his people both blessings and curses. Now he only speaks blessings. Moses begins by acknowledging how they had been blessed with God's self-revelation at Sinai. Israel would inherit the promised land, but their greatest inheritance was to be the word of God. The nations around them had their kings, but the Lord was the king of Israel, and his throne was in their midst as he reigned over the mercy seat in the tabernacle. Let's consider the prophetic significance. Moses, representing the law, blessing the people of Israel, 
anticipates the blessings of the law coming upon the obedience of Christ who fulfills the law. The people who join themselves by faith to this greater Joshua receive a blessing by the command of Moses. Psalm 133 verse 3 says, For there the Lord commanded the blessing, life forevermore. Now let's consider the specific blessings of the tribes. The blessings of Moses are given as a poem. His loving concern for each tribe is carefully expressed. In the New Testament book of Ephesians, chapter 2, verse 10, we read, We are God's workmanship. The Greek word for workmanship is poema, from which we get the English word poem. Much thought was put into Moses' blessing of his people's future inheritance. We have God's thought put into the blessing of our inheritance. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, verse 14 through 18, chapter 2, verse 7, and chapter 3, verse 18. God's thought is put into our calling in verse 18 of Ephesians 1 and our works in Ephesians 2.10 as the redeemed people of God. We are created in Christ Jesus unto good works prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We have been blessed by the law of God through the obedience of Yeshua. The punishment that was due us according to the law fell on Him. The blessing that was due Him fell on us in 2 Corinthians 5.21. Moses had told the children of Israel to proclaim the blessings and curses of the law in public hearing once they crossed Jordan. Here, his last words are only those of blessing. The blessings pronounced by Moses in Deuteronomy 33 upon the tribes of Israel are gracious, whereas those given by Jacob in Genesis 49 expose both their sins and their hidden character. We are legally blessed in Christ. These blessings remind us of the inheritance set apart for the believer in Christ Jesus. In Reuben, we see the blessing of life abundant and eternal. Moses first pronounces a blessing on Reuben, the firstborn of Jacob, even though Reuben had officially lost that position due to his sins. In Genesis 49, verse 4, and 1 Chronicles chapter 5, verse 1. Now the sons of Reuben, the firstborn of Israel, for he was the firstborn, but because he defiled his father's bed, his birthright was given to the sons of Joseph, the son of Israel, so that he is not enrolled in the genealogy according to the birthright. Unlike Jacob's pronounced blessing on Reuben in Genesis 49.4, Moses makes no reference to Reuben's sins. He only speaks words of grace. Let Reuben live and not die, nor his men be few. Deuteronomy 33.6 Next we have the blessing upon Judah, the privilege of the throne rites in prayer. Judah, the Lion of Israel, whose offspring would be the promised Messiah, to whom would belong the obedience of the nations in Genesis 49.10, is now blessed with a persuasive voice in intercession. Judah is able to bring needed help to his people so they can gain victory over their adversaries in Deuteronomy 33, verse 7. This reminds us of Judah's offspring, Christ. Let us therefore draw near with confidence to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and may find grace to help in time of need. Next we have the blessing on Levi, it's the word of the cross. Instead of being cursed for his anger and violence, the tribe of Levi's faithfulness to align themselves with the Lord in the idolatrous incident with the golden calf is acknowledged in Moses' blessing. In Exodus 32:29. Levi is rewarded with special access to the revelation of God's will, the Urim and the Thummim, and he is honored with the appointment as teacher of the law and overseer of the sacrificial system in the service of the tabernacle. 
in Deuteronomy 33, verses 8 to 11. Next, we read of Simeon and his baptism into the Messianic inheritance. Prophetically, Simeon is omitted from Moses' blessing. The scattering of Simeon was predicted in Jacob's blessing in Genesis 49, verse 7, and their absorption into the inheritance of the Messianic tribe of Judah came to pass once they were in Canaan, as we see in Joshua chapter 19, verses 2 to 9. The inheritance of another is one in which they will eventually settle. Next we read about Dan. Dan goes from being called a serpent able to strike horse and rider in Genesis 49, verse 17, to being a lion's cub that leaps forth from Bashan, predicting his tribe's persistent conquests and move to the north of the promised land. In Deuteronomy 33, verse 22, what do we learn about Joseph's blessing? Joseph gets the fullest attention in both the blessings of Jacob in Genesis 49, verses 22 to 26, and Moses in Deuteronomy 33, verses 13 to 17. This is understandable in the light of Jacob's particular affection for the firstborn of his beloved Rachel. How meaningful it is to have Moses, the man who heard God speaking to him from the burning bush in Exodus 3, say of Joseph, Let the favor of him who dwelt in the bush come to the head of Joseph. The blessings that are upon the head of the tribe, Joseph, come upon the sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Ephesians 1 verse 3. It is encouraging that Moses continues to see the precious things of heaven, or the choice things of heaven, the choice yield of the sun, the choice produce of the months, the choice things of the everlasting hills and ancient mountains. Next we read of the blessing on Naphtali. It is a blessing of fullness. Naphtali is blessed with satisfaction. He is full of the blessing of the Lord in verse 23. Then we read about Issachar and Zebulun, the secret riches in hidden places. Issachar and Zebulun are seen triumphing in their situations, being able to tap the abundance of the seas and the hidden treasures in the desert. The prophet Isaiah writes, I will give you the treasures of darkness and hidden wealth of secret places, so that you may know that it is I, the Lord, the God of Israel, who calls you by your name. Isaiah 45, verse 3. Next we read about Gad and the blessing upon him, a blessing of leadership. Gad is also called a lion. It is predicted that he will faithfully execute his promise of joining his brothers in the conquest of Canaan before taking the land he chose for himself, which now is called a ruler's portion in verse 21 of chapter 33. And what a great blessing is given to Asher, strength. Asher has grown from Jacob's original prophecy of eating rich food and providing delicacies fit for a king in Genesis 49 to Moses' more dramatic prediction that he will be strong, wealthy, and favored by his brothers and one whose inheritance is secure. His wealth is indicated by the luxury of bathing his feet in oil. Thy shoes shall be iron and brass and as thy days, so shall thy strength be. Deuteronomy 33.25 Next we have the blessing upon Benjamin, protection and security. Benjamin's blessing of protection and security is worth hearing again. Of Benjamin he said, May the beloved of the Lord dwell in security by him who shields him all the day, and he dwells between his shoulders. Deuteronomy 33.12 so putting all the blessings together, we have many reasons to be happy. The poem begins and ends with praise to God for His great love for His people. He is called the King of Israel, poetically referred to as Jeshurun, 
the upright one, in verses 5 and 26. He rides to the aid of his people who have every reason to be happy. Blessed are you, O Israel, who is like you, a people saved by the Lord, who is the shield of your help and the sword of your majesty. So your enemies shall cringe before you, and you shall tread upon their high places. He also has positive words for Judah, calling the Lord to be their help as they defend their noble cause. He applauds the commitment that the tribe of Levi showed in their uncompromising obedience after the children of Israel were deceived into idolatry when Moses was on Sinai and Aaron fashioned a golden calf. May we also, like the Levites, carefully meditate upon God's word, watch over it, obey it, guard the covenant, and teach it to others. What a wonderful prayer! Bless all his skills, O Lord, bless his substance. There are some model blessings here. Of Zebulun he said, Rejoice, Zebulun, in your going forth, and Issachar in your tents. May your strength be equal to your days, in verse 25. Warren Wearsby writes, Moses describes the exalted position of the believer. He is loved by God, secure in his hands, and submissive at his feet, in Deuteronomy 33.3. We also dwell between his shoulders, in verse 12, and have his everlasting arms beneath us, in verse 27. End quote. No wonder Moses exclaimed concerning Israel, Who is like you, O Israel? Who is like you, a people saved by the Lord? Who is the shield of your help and the sword of your majesty? Our New Testament reading from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 13, verses 1 through 21. There were some present at that very time who told him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And he answered them, Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered in this way? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Or those eighteen on whom the tower in Siloam fell and killed them, do you think that they were worse offenders than all the others who lived in Jerusalem? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. And he told this parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came seeking fruit on it, and found none. And he said to the vine dresser, Look, for three years now I have come seeking fruit on this fig tree, and I find none. Cut it down. Why should it use up the ground? And he answered him, Sir, let it alone this year also, until I dig around it and put on manure. Then, if it should bear fruit next year, well and good, but if not, you can cut it down. Now he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman who had had a disabling spirit for eighteen years. She was bent over and could not fully straighten herself. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said to her, Woman, you are freed from your disability. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight, and she glorified God. But the ruler of the synagogue, indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, said to the people, There are six days in which work ought to be done. Come on those days and be healed, and not on the Sabbath day. Then the Lord answered him, You hypocrites! Does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the manger and lead it away to water it? And ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan bound for eighteen years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day? As he said these things, all his adversaries were put to shame, and all the people rejoiced at all the glorious things that were done by him. He said, therefore, 
What is the kingdom of God like? And to what shall I compare it? It is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his garden, and it grew and became a tree, and the birds of the air made nests in its branches. And again he said, To what shall I compare the kingdom of God? It is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour until it was all leavened. And this concludes today's reading from the New Testament. And this is the end of our reading from the New Testament. In this passage we learn about the universal call and the indispensable need for repentance. Jesus comments on current tragedies. He speaks of Pilate's cruel orchestration of the slaughter of Galilean protesters. What were they protesting about? It was likely that temple money was taken to finance the construction of a Roman aqueduct. Pilate had soldiers dressed as civilians mingle with the demonstrating mob. Using concealed weapons, the disguised Roman soldiers killed innocent and unarmed Jews. Some might have accused the Galilean Jews as deserving to die because of their protest. Then he refers to another recent tragedy when the Tower of Siloam collapsed and killed many who were in Jerusalem. It is possible that they were working on the construction of a Roman aqueduct there. Some might say they deserved to die for cooperating with their Roman oppressors. In regard to both of these incidents, Jesus asked the rhetorical question whether these victims were greater sinners than the average man on the street. Listen to his answer. I tell you, no, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Luke 13, verse 5. Atrocities and accidents happen. Who is to blame? Instead of blaming others, we should keep in mind our own day of judgment. Jesus reminds us that we are all guilty and in need of repentance, a turning from our sin and self-righteousness, and appeal to God's merciful gift of salvation. Jesus gives the parable of the fruitless fig tree. Despite years in which no fruit has come forth, the landowner, who had hoped for fruit, orders it to be cut down, but the caretaker promises to take care of it for one more year. If the fruit tree does not bear fruit by then, he promises to cut it down. He leaves the parable open-ended. What will happen? It is a reminder that God, our Creator and Owner, has every right to cut us down, but has patiently extended mercy to us, appealing to us to repent and believe, and thereby bear fruit. On the Sabbath day, Jesus heals the woman with a crooked back. He pronounces her healed, and then puts his hands on her, and immediately she stands up straight, perfectly well. The religious leaders criticize Jesus for healing this woman on the Sabbath. Jesus points out their hypocrisy, reminding them that they show mercy to their thirsty animals on the Sabbath, but would not show mercy to bring deliverance and healing to a human being made in the image of God, a daughter of Abraham, who had been bound with an infirmity from Satan for 18 years. Jesus gives two illustrations of the kingdom of God. First, it is like a mustard seed, small in size, but when planted, it becomes large and provides shelter for those much bigger than itself, such as the birds of the air. Secondly, Jesus explains that the kingdom of God is like yeast that has been mixed into a large amount of flour until it permeates the dough thoroughly. In Luke 13, verse 21. As we have previously learned in the parables of the kingdom, never underestimate the powerful influence of a God-ruled life. And now let's go to the book of Psalms for our daily reading. We are continuing in Psalm 78, verses 65 through 72. Then the Lord awoke as from sleep, like a strong man shouting because of wine. And he put his adversaries to rout, 
and he put them to everlasting shame. He rejected the tent of Joseph. He did not choose the tribe of Ephraim, but he chose the tribe of Judah, Mount Zion, which he loves. He built his sanctuary like the high heavens, like the earth, which he has founded forever. He chose David his servant and took him from the sheepfolds. From following the nursing ewes he brought him to shepherd Jacob his people, Israel his inheritance. With upright heart he shepherded them and guided them with his skillful hand. And this is the end of our reading from Psalms. This psalm speaks of God's choice of the tribe of Judah, from which would come King David and eventually Jesus of Nazareth, the Messiah. David spent his early years as a shepherd in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verses 10 to 11. This was good leadership training. Sheep are dependent upon the shepherd's care for providing feeding ground, protection, and rescue. David's shepherding skills are transferred to his new leadership role, shepherding the flock of Israel as a nation. He also chose David his servant and took him from the sheepfolds. From the care of the ewes with suckling lambs, he brought him to shepherd Jacob his people and Israel his inheritance. So he shepherded them according to the integrity of his heart and guided them with his skillful hands. And now for our proverb for today. A proverb a day keeps foolishness away. Are you ready for Proverbs chapter 12, verse 25? Anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, but a good word makes him glad. Over the years we've had many messages published on the internet, but one message that continually gets downloaded is the one on anxiety. And I notice that this is a trend among many ministries today. People are looking for answers, how to deal with anxiety. And here we have a trustworthy word. Anxiety in a man's heart weighs it down but a good word makes it glad. This proverb reminds us of the power of the spoken word to calm, comfort, and encourage those who are experiencing fear, doubt, worry, insecurity, trouble, and fear. We need to learn how to speak to ourselves and to speak to others encouraging words. Now let's pray. We bless you, Lord, with all that is within us. We bless your holy name. You have graciously blessed us, Father, not according to our own works, but according to the righteous work of your Son, our Passover Lamb. We will sing of your mercies forever. Give us the inspiration and presence of mind to bless our brothers and sisters accordingly. As you have shepherded us with love, may we provide shepherdly watch care for your flocks. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thank you for joining us on this journey, and I trust that the good word that we've shared with you today is going to make your heart glad and that your heart will not be weighed down by anxiety, but it will be lifted up with the joy of the Spirit. If you have any questions or comments, we'd love to hear from you. You can make comments wherever you get your podcast, or you can write to us. At, and you're invited to learn more about New Life and its ministries at our website, newlife.org, N-E-W-L-I-F-E dot O-R-G. Thank you, God bless you, and in every way may you be enriched in Him.